Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Contu. Hello, PT, and welcome to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. Now, as you may have heard already, July is Sarcoma and Bone Tumor Awareness Month. And while sarcomas only make up about 1% of all cancer diagnoses, osteosarcomas can disproportionately affect young individuals more when it comes to their diagnoses, but also the things that they experience, and thus can contribute to a significant amount of functional mobility issues. And this is really where we come in as the rehab professional. We as physical therapists must understand what osteosarcoma is, how it's treated, and how it thus affects our patients so we're prepared to treat them effectively. In order to do that, we really have to start off with what the heck is osteosarcoma? Now, before we really dive into this, it's really important to note, I actually have seen very, very few osteosarcomas so far in my practice. A lot of my practice has been very much breast cancer, lymphedema, colorectal cancer, some pancreatic cancer, hematologic cancers. And that's very much dependent on my area, the patients I see, and the practitioners that I've connected with in my community. I see very few pediatric patients, but here's the interesting thing. When I first started practicing, I told myself, I am never going to treat peds. I just didn't have that desire. It's not something that I really wanted to pursue. And then I started practicing. And then I got involved with Camp Watch Me. And then I started seeing pediatric patients in my private practice, which has been so interesting. So in the process of kind of transforming and developing into the physical therapist I am today, I've kind of had to change my approach and my view of who I'm going to treat in my practice because it actually turns out it's kind of fun. And I actually really like treating younger people. So all this back to say, even if you don't think that you are going to see osteosarcoma in your practice, you might be surprised because I sure have been. So osteosarcomas, also also known as osteogenic sarcomas, are a special subset of sarcomas. So sarcomas are mesenchymal cancers and they are they're tumors of connective tissue. So this is going to take us a little bit into a rewind back to PT school, back to your anatomy days. So connective tissue includes a lot of different things. So for example, bone, because that's what we're talking about here, but also muscle cartilage and other tissue types that are in the human body. And so sarcomas can affect any number of these tissues, including muscle, bone, cartilage, et cetera. And what we're working about, what we're talking about today is indeed osteosarcoma. And to understand what osteosarcoma is, 
we have to understand what osteosarcoma is not. And this is a very, very common thing that newer practitioners can they can tend to get tripped up on. I know I sure did when I first started practicing. So an osteosarcoma is a bone cancer. This is not the same as a bony metastasis. So in the person who has an osteosarcoma, their cancer started in the bone. The bone cells are the ones that became cancerous. Now we have a bone cancer. When it comes to our patients who have bony metastases, for example, I'm going to use breast cancer because that's what I think a lot of us are familiar with. Sometimes a person has breast cancer, meaning that their cancer started within the breast cells and then spreads to other parts of the body, including bone. This is now that same cancer, that same breast cancer is now in the bone. It has metastasized. It has spread to the bone. Breast cancer, breast cancer cells have now invaded bone tissue. And osteosarcoma is different. Remember, these are bone cells that the cancer started in. It didn't start somewhere else and come to the bone cells. Osteosarcoma, it starts within the bone. So again, tumor starts in the bone and is now developed within to now affect like the bone around it. Okay. Osteosarcomas tend to typically affect the extremities, sometimes the pelvic girdle and where it affects a person kind of depends on who it affects. Now, common causes for osteosarcoma and some risk factors to be aware of aren't as clear cut as with some other cancers. I think we're very familiar with some of the risk factors that commonly contribute to cancer, but that's not always the case with osteosarcoma. In fact, most osteosarcomas don't have a clear cause. What makes it, what, it makes it kind of challenging, right? The one exception here is radiation-associated sarcomas. These are sarcomas that are linked to prior radiation therapy, often for other cancers like Hodgkin lymphoma, breast cancer. Again, just so we're clear, just so we're not confused, a person had breast cancer, was previously treated for their breast cancer. Breast cancer is now gone. But the radiation damage has caused an initial, a primary osteosarcoma, a primary bone tumor within those bone cells. So again, keeping in mind, there is very much a difference in our conversation today between osteosarcomas, primary bone cancers versus bony metastases. Now, in addition to our radiation-associated sarcomas, there's also some evidence to suggest that different environmental exposures can contribute to osteosarcomas, but we're still learning a lot about that. And then lastly, things to consider that, again, are very pertinent to us as physical therapists is that sometimes people have familial genetic syndromes where they have a genetic predisposition towards developing cancer. And this does indeed contribute to some of the development of sarcomas for some individuals. So we talk about hereditary retinoblastoma, Rothmund-Thompson syndrome, Lee-Fraumeni syndrome, and then others. Osteosarcoma is unique for many different reasons, but one of which, especially when we think that cancer tends to be an older person diagnosis. When we look at cancer diagnoses, it 
definitely affects more of our older population versus our younger patient population. Osteosarcoma is different in this way because osteosarcoma actually tends to affect younger people more often than older people. And when I say younger people, we're talking about children, adolescents, and even young adults sometimes. And osteosarcoma can technically affect any bone in the body. Again, it's a bone cancer. We have bones all over our body. But osteosarcomas in these younger patient populations tend to be more common in the distal femur, the proximal tibia, and in the proximal humerus. We do see somewhat different presentations when we see osteosarcomas in our older adults. For example, these tend to be more common in the pelvis, the shoulder, and even in the jawbone sometimes. As with some other cancers, we do see some early signs and symptoms with osteosarcoma, but it's kind of one of those we have to be paying attention to really notice what's happening here. So a common sense, excuse me, a common symptom of osteosarcoma is pain in the bone where the tumor is located. This pain often gets worse with activity can be worse at night. And this should be ringing some bells because as we know, this is very common in malignant pain. Some patients, when the tumor is a little more progressed, can also experience swelling in the area of the tumor. But again, this tends to be a little later in the disease process for some patients. Again, that pain is very much an indicator of something's wrong. And one of the things I feel like we talked about in physical therapy school is Children shouldn't have pain, you know, like they, if they're rough and tumbling, you know, maybe they'll hurt themselves, you know, with the occasional like bruising, scratching and whatnot, but children really shouldn't have pain just out of the blue. I mean, maybe as we get older, we can sometimes experience that, but that could definitely be an indicator of, hmm, something's not quite right here. Osteosarcoma is frequently diagnosed first with some kind of bone radiography, for example, like an x-ray. And so once this this initial imaging is done, again, whether that's x-ray, whether that's some other imaging, we're really going to be working towards a biopsy for these patients. And when I say we, I mean the greater medical community. So once that initial imaging is done, the patient will then undergo a biopsy to help them determine, is this indeed cancer? Is there something going on? And then the biopsy results can also help them determine what kind of treatment does this person need to undergo. One of the things that I really didn't realize, again, because I don't see a lot of this patient population, is that the treatment for osteosarcoma is very different from a Ewing sarcoma. Again, this is very much attributable to my lack of experience and knowledge in this particular area, but it is important because when we get into the actual treatment of osteosarcoma versus Ewing sarcoma, there are very much some differences. And so I bring this up to emphasize how key it is to have that biopsy, to have those results, so that the medical oncology team can really be making the appropriate treatment decisions to achieve maximal like prognosis, hopefully cure for these patients if possible. When patients undergo treatment for osteosarcoma, they're typically going to undergo neoadjuvant chemotherapy and then follow that by surgery. And then many patients after that will go on to have adjuvant chemotherapy again after surgery. 
Common chemotherapy regimens will include methotrexate, doxorubicin, cisplatin, ifosfamide, and etoposide. Not necessarily all of these in one. Um, a lot of times it's like a mixture of these and patients don't necessarily get all of them all of them at the same time, they'll have like a regimen of one, maybe they'll have a certain type of neoadjuvant chemotherapy, and then they'll have a different adjuvant chemotherapy after surgery. And when it comes to surgery, traditional management has actually been amputation. So the goal was, okay, there's a cancer, we need to get it out. The best way to make sure that it doesn't spread is to cut off the body part. Because again, we're trying to get the widest margins possible to make sure that, okay, we got the cancer out. There's no residual cancer hanging out in there. So we are more likely to see a cure. And while that's a good approach in the sense of let's make sure that we get as much out to make sure that the cancer doesn't come back. Yes. Okay, great. But as you can imagine, that leaves a slew of functional, but also aesthetic issues for the patient. And I know that our focus isn't necessarily on the aesthetic, but I think we'd be remiss to not consider that in our patients, especially considering how young these patients are and how much an amputation can really affect them, not just here and now, but literally for the rest of their lives. And I don't say that lightly because when we talk about our other patients, again, most of my patients are older, they've lived a little bit of life. And so when we say for the rest of their life, we're typically thinking 20, 30, 40 years. But for these young people, it could truly be 50, 60, 70 years more of life, heck, maybe even like 80 more years of life that this person is dealing with the aftermath of osteosarcoma treatment. So the good news is we're getting better at treating cancer in general, including osteosarcoma. And so these days, patients are more likely to undergo some kind of limb salvage surgery rather than going straight to amputation, amputate that body part, and get out the cancer. Some patients may even undergo some kind of reconstruction surgery, and we will cover that more in a future episode coming up in the next couple episodes. So make sure to stay tuned for that. We're punting that until later. We're going to focus on purely treatment for the osteosarcoma for the meantime. Now, patients with very extensive disease may still undergo amputation depending on their specific case. Is that cancer spreading? Did they not get enough of it out the first time? And these patients may also undergo radiation therapy if they were not able to achieve like the best results with the other treatment we've talked about. Remember, typically patients will undergo neoadjuvant chemo, surgery, and then adjuvant chemotherapy. In rare cases, maybe radiation is used, but this is not very common when it comes to management of osteosarcoma. Now, radiation may be used for palliative purposes as well, but again, this is very dependent on the patient case. We're not the ones as the physical therapist making this decision, but it's important that we're aware of potential treatment options as well as side effects of treatments for osteosarcoma. Again, osteosarcoma is not a very common type of cancer, but they can result in significant impairments, both functionally, functional mobility-wise for our patients, but also psychological, aesthetically. 
And so it's really important that while, yes, we probably are not going to see a ton of these patients in your just like run-of-the-mill oncology practice, but you could. And the amount of impairments that they face as part of the aftermath of being diagnosed with osteosarcoma is significant. As we know, cancer treatment is not without side effects. And a lot of times, this is definitely one of those where there can be a lot of side effects. Now, we're going to talk more about the side effects of these different cancer treatments in our next episode, so stay tuned for that. But it's important that we're aware of this particular diagnosis and what it can potentially mean for our patients. Again, maybe you'll never encounter these patients in your career. But with the amount of people living longer and the amount of people who are being diagnosed with cancer at an increasing rate every year, that likelihood is going up. So let's be prepared for it, just in case we do see it. Now I want to hear from you. What did I miss? What else would you include in this episode about osteosarcoma? Message me on Instagram at the OncoBT and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Elise with the OncoPT. And remember, you are exactly the physical therapist that your patients with cancer need. So let's get to work. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating and review, or support us on Patreon.